0: The plan of perfection. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, and they were given the fullness of life, and they were also given freedom. And in that freedom, they were tempted, the seed of suspicion, does God really want you to be happy? Can you really trust God? That seed was planted by the serpent. But you know what's interesting is that little phrase we heard in our opening prayer that God knew would happen. God knew the fall would happen. God, who is perfect and good... God who can conceive of all different possible worlds, you know, different parallel universes, if you will. God who is perfect chooses that which is perfect. That somehow, the world in which we live is the best of all possible worlds. Which doesn't always feel like the reality, like, really? You know? But immediately, after the fall happens... God turns to them and says, you know, what? where are you? He knows where they are. He's given them a chance to turn to Him. And immediately, we, get, we receive the first proclamation of the Gospel. It's called the Proto-Evangelion, Genesis 3.15. Where God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's saying this to the serpent. And between your offspring and hers, he will strike at your head while you strike at his heel. That the moment they had fallen, God proclaims the good news that he's going to do something even better. Mary is part of that better. Adam and Eve were created without original sin. Mary was preserved from the stain of original sin by a singular grace from Christ's redemption on the cross. God, who's outside of time, that the merits of Christ were bestowed upon Mary in a unique way. It's almost like a, it was was the plan of redemption, the next chapter opening. It wasn't a reboot, but it was part of the plan from the beginning. That God gives humanity a second chance. We see in Mary's response, Mary now says yes. Mary trusts in God. Even though I can't see it, I say yes. We are given these readings, this opportunity to rejoice that God never gives up on his creation. That you and I, we experience fallenness. And you know what? God already knew that would happen. And He was already moving in in motion there, a plan to do something better than if we had never messed up. Right? We're the worst critics, right? We look at ourselves and we say, I shouldn't have done that. I should be over that. I shouldn't be dealing with this anymore. And God says, I knew that was going to happen. It's okay. And I have a plan to do something even better. And that better is to turn to him, as Mary did, and to say, may it be done to me according to your word. All right, God, let's do it your way. Because the truth is that God, sometimes sometimes we feel like God's like holding out on us. You know, how come they have it easy? Or... How come this happened to them, but I can't, I don't get that. But our our second reading from Ephesians, we're told by St. Paul that we, we have been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. He's given us everything. As he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, before the world was formed, God knew us. He knew he would create us. He knew that we would mess up, and he knew that we would need his grace, and he could redeem us. It's all part of the plan, but the question that remains, the unknown, is how you and I will turn to the Lord in that space of fallenness. Because precisely, just like with Adam and Eve, that the moment we fall, God wishes to proclaim good news into our life also. There's a story, I think I shared it at 9 p.m. Mass a week ago or so, about a gentleman. He was found in Ireland in an alley, deceased, and he had like these chains on him. And they didn't know who he was for a couple days until they found, uh, until his sister came and identified him. And it turns out it was a man named Matt Talbot, Uh, and Matt uh, was a weak alcoholic, and one day when he was kind of about 30 years earlier, he went to the bar, and because he was an alcoholic, he couldn't keep money, it was a disaster. And he stood outside of the bar, and all his drinking buddies were going in like one at a time, and he, he just sat there and he said, hey, can, can you buy me a drink? Can, can you just give me a drink? Just give me something to numb the pain of what I'm experiencing. And, and after all his buddies went in, and nobody would help him. He's like, I thought these were my friends. I didn't realize that they were just commiserating with me. And so he went home, um, and he told his mom, he was, um, you know, in his 20s living with his mom, and, uh, and he said, uh, Mom, I think I'm going to take the pledge. And the pledge, especially in Ireland, it's a popular thing, is when we make a vow to God that I'm never going to drink again. And his mother actually wanted him not to, because she said, if you make that promise and you're unfaithful to that, you're going to be bringing God's judgment upon you. And he said, I'm tired of what's down that road. I'm willing to face it, and I, I cannot do it on my own. I need the grace of God. And so that's what he did. He went to the church. He took the pledge, and for the next 30 years, he never drank again. But he always battled the temptations and the weakness and the brokenness. And so then, he, he, instead of drinking, he had time on his hand. So he would go to Mass, like, up to eight times a day. Because he's like, I need God's grace. I cannot do this on my own. I need God's redemptive, salvific power to help me become perfect. That I do not become perfect. His grace makes me perfect. He would, he would bring his drinking buddies to the, to the church and they would get tired of waiting for him after like an hour and so they would just leave and he'd still be on his knees praying. And today we call Matt Talbot Venerable a step on the way to being canonized a saint. Because he didn't allow his brokenness to define him. But he saw it as the opportunity to turn to God's grace and to rely on him for everything. That's the difference of what's going to make us a saint or not. Me thinking I can do it, I just have to try harder. Or recognizing I can't do it. I have to rely on God for everything. That I am the Lord's servants may be done to me according to your word. That whatever you say, God, I do believe that you're trustworthy. I do believe that you want me to be happy. And even if I have to battle this demon for 30 years of my life... That it will be that demon and me turning to you in weakness that will make me perfect. So God knows where we're at, and he knows his plan already at work, strengthened by his grace to make us perfect.